Amen. Amen. All right, well, thank you. Um, it's great to be here, everybody. It's fun to do. I, I don't know if I've ever preached where there were potentially more deer head than humans in the audience, but it's always a time for firsts, right? You know, so awesome. I'm just going to set a little timer here for myself, just more uh, so that I don't lull anybody to sleep. I promise I will do my best not to do that. So let me see here. Oops. All right, and there we go. Okay, so this morning, I'm gonna try to talk a little bit more about um, just the importance of mission. And one of the things that um, I've been super thankful for in the work that we've been doing in um, in SCP, which Jim talked about, is we're kind of entering into a season where, you know, in, in the United States, it's very popular to wanna just plant churches in big cities, right? Well, we got to reach New York City. We got to reach Los Angeles. We've got to reach Nashville. We got to reach, you know, fill in the blank city. But one of the things I really enjoy is, um, is we're starting to see this grow in places like Mount Air. You know, uh, if you go to a church planting conference, the first city that's off of somebody's lips is probably not Mount Air, Iowa. <laughs> and I'll be honest, it's probably not Bowling Green, Ohio, where I'm from. Uh, and it's not Cleveland, Ohio, and it's not uh, Syracuse, New York. It, you know, it's, but, but God is moving. God is doing something. And so the ability to just kind of talk about that and see these ideas lived out in different geographies is huge. And we really, really are excited about that. So this morning, I'm going to take some time, and kind of the, the essence of my message for us all here this morning is, I would call it the mission then and the mission now, Okay. So we're going to be reading this morning from Acts chapter 2, verses 36 to 47. And as we get into reading uh, the text here this morning, there's a couple of things that are always really important to me, um, which is, you know, predominantly, what, what is happening that's leading us into this portion of the scripture? What exactly is going on? Well, there's a lot going on in Acts chapter 2. This is a fairly significant moment in New Testament church history, okay? But I want you to remember the, the essence of this message is the mission then and the mission now, okay? So a couple of things that have happened leading up to this portion of the scripture. Number one, Jesus, post his crucifixion, has spent 40 days hanging out with people after he was killed and, and resurrected from the dead. 40 days of fellowship with people to bear witness that the God-man was crucified, was buried, but is now alive again. That's, a, that's an in, incredible thing in church history, obviously. <laughs> it's really, really important, right? So for 40 days, he has spent time presenting himself after suffering, and he's appeared to people, and he's talked about this, the kingdom, but he's also talked about the Holy Spirit, okay? leading into this text. The second thing that's happened is Jesus then, after telling them about the Holy Spirit coming, okay, he ascends and he tells the disciples, um, hey, you're going to be my witnesses, all right? And um, there's a song in church that I remember singing when I was younger is that, you know, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth, right? I remember singing that and not really knowing where that was in the scripture. 
uh, and then seeing it for the first time is like, wow, okay, that's great. Now, just clarity, I didn't just see it recently for the first time, I saw it years ago for the first time. But Jesus ascends and he, he's like, hey, listen, you're gonna be my witnesses. This Holy Spirit's gonna come and you're gonna be my witnesses, okay? Matthias is chosen, okay? So, you know, this guy Judas did a bad thing, right? Judas, not a good dude. Judas is replaced uh, as one of the core by Matthias, all right? So that's, that's going on, right? And the Holy Spirit then does come in a powerful moment in Jerusalem, okay? where um, Jews from every nation under heaven at the time, this is primarily a Jewish audience in this moment, but Jews from all over the world have come to Jerusalem, okay? And they understand the testimony that is being given across different languages, that, that people are talking in their original language and the other Jews from other languages, other dialects are hearing that in their own language and basically what's happening here is they are all bearing witness to God's glory in that moment. That's the big picture there. That's the huge thing to remember because that portion of the scripture for, for brothers and sisters in Christ, there's a lot of different feelings about that section of the scripture, okay? But, but overall, the meta-narrative, the big picture is that as people are giving testimony in their own language, the other Jews from other dialects are hearing and they're telling other testimonies and everybody's understanding the great and glorious work of their God. That's what's going on in that moment, okay? The other things that happen in that moment is the Holy Spirit, as the Holy Spirit comes, people outside begin to mock what's happening to the fellowship of the believers in that moment. They're being made fun of. They, they think that these people are drunk in that moment. And it's then that Peter gives a very sober testimony of Jesus in, at Pentecost, okay? So that's kind of, that's important to understand. This is, what, this is about what's been happening leading into this portion of the scripture, okay? So let's read God's word together and let's pick it apart. I'm, I'm gonna give you, again, the mission then and the mission now, but I'm gonna read the word of God out loud and we're gonna, we're gonna place ourselves under it and we're gonna ask that he reveals to us the things that we need to know so that we can bring him glory this week as we go forward from here today, okay? Verse 36, Peter says, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now then they heard this and they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Just this, this is an incredible moment in church history. And what's beautiful about this is our presence in the kingdom related to the church history. We're connected to this in Mount Air, Iowa in 2022. 
You have to see that. That's powerful stuff. So in the last five verses, it says the following. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and their belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And this is the word of God. So what do we see? Like what's going on here, essentially? What, what's happening in this text? Well, there's a few things that really jump out to me that are important. And then we're going we're gonna to take what we see in the text, and then we're going to do what, what we should do, is we should see what, this was, what was happening originally in the Bible. And then we say to ourselves, well, now that we know what was happening originally, what does that mean for us today? Right? So the first thing that we see is the testimony of Jesus as Lord who was crucified. Peter is very clear. The man that you killed, he was the God-man. The man that you killed was the God-man. This is not a fluke. This is not a mistake. And remember, they're just coming off of 40 days post-crucifixion hanging out with this guy. So it's not just this, like, hopeful message that, you know, I think this was true. This is 40 days of spending time with Jesus resurrected. There's a thrust behind that statement that you can't miss. And that thrust should carry into today in your own personal life. We're connected to this. Really important to see. The people who heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they were repentant, and they were then baptized. Some of you here have already given your lives to Christ, and you may have remembered that moment where the truth of the gospel hit you in a way that you had never been hit before. I remember it for me. In 1997, at Bowling Green State University in Northwest Ohio, I was living in 147 Batchelder Hall, and there was a person who, by God's grace, shared Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9 with me, and he said, hey, listen, salvation, this is a gift. You didn't earn it. You don't deserve it, but it's a gift. And I remember him saying, it's so simple, but he's like, what do you have to do with a gift if it's offered to you? You know, and I'm just like going back to my campus crusade days. I'm like, well, I guess I have to receive the gift. He's like, that's right. You have to receive that true gift that you've been given, right? We remember the moment when that happened. For many of us, we do. That moment is right here in the lives of 3,000 people as Peter is speaking. They're cut to the heart and they're like, oh my, oh my gosh, it's so clear to me now. This is real. This is true. I mean, you have to understand, we're gathering today, 2,000 and some odd years later, we're gathering because we believe that that actually happened. That the book of Acts has a historical value to it. And, and, and that value, what's crazy is, I guarantee you that nobody in that moment, aside from God, knew where Mount Air, Iowa was going to be on a map because it didn't exist as a town at that point in time. So don't, like, don't miss out on the significance of what we're seeing and how it connects to us today and the 1,500, 1,600 people that live in this town. 
the county seat, as I've been told. Okay. There's another thing that's, that's happening here, and that is an exhortation from Peter to save yourselves from a crooked generation. Look around. We don't need to look far. Um, but I would even say, before you just look around, take a look within. You know the wickedness and the depravity of your own life. You know that the bend toward the nature of human because of the fall is to sin and to hide and to want to just enjoy the fruit of our brokenness. But the thing is, is it leaves you empty time and time again. Now, I'm 44 years old. I would love to say that I have solved this riddle that is sin. But I can tell you this. As you get older, as I have gotten older, because I realize there are people in here that are older than me, the people that are younger, but as I have gotten older, there is a pause in my life that goes, look, you've tasted that before. It's not worth it. It doesn't last, and it's not good. It could be greed. It could be power. It could be money. It could be lust. It, we don't, it's, it's the significance of the event or the issue itself is not central. It is the brokenness and the bending of us to want the thing that ultimately leaves us unsatisfied. We're unsatisfied with that. And Peter is saying, it's, it's almost, it's crazy because, you know, this is the beauty of the scripture. Is like, he's saying to them, save yourselves from this crooked generation. And it's just as important today to say the same thing. So look within yourself and look around. It's hard to follow Jesus today. It's not a popular thing to follow Jesus and it's going to continue to be more, in my opinion, in the West, it's going to become more and more unpopular to follow the Jewish villager known as Jesus. The fourth thing that we see, and this is really important to me as I think about why I think it applies to us in Mount Air, Iowa today, is that there was an element of devotion in this portion of the scripture, okay? Well, how, what, what do we see? Well, there's a devotion to teaching, there's a devotion to fellowship. There's a devotion to meals, to prayer. And as a fruit of that, God began to add to their number daily those that were being saved. And the other thing that I love in this portion of the scripture is that there's an intergenerational promise. Okay? If you look back into the text, it says, let me just pull it out real quick because it's I mean, it's just, it's beautiful to me. It's sobering. Um, it says, for this promise is for you and for your children and for all of those who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. There's a timelessness to that. Until it's over, those who are far off, it applies to us. Now, in the moment, it applied to those Jews and eventually to those Gentiles who are in the surrounding areas but it still applies to us today. And that's really powerful. Um, I'm a part Ashkenazi Jew, okay? So like to see this in the scripture and to, to just see the, the, the connection 2,000 years later to Gentile and to Jew that this applies, that there was th th this example in Acts 2 along with the example of the high priestly prayer in John 17 is where Jesus, in that moment, we're seeing, he's like, hey, look, I'm praying for you, but I'm praying for those who will, they don't even know who I am from far off. 
And that's the power of this, this idea that we still gather today in the hope that this is all true, that, that this historical reality will be fulfilled eventually. And it's amazing to think about. I want to share a quote with you real quick before we jump into personal application for today. There's a great book. Um, when I was in seminary, there's a book that they make you read, which is The Mission of God's People in the World, essentially. It's a book by a guy named Christopher J.H. Wright. Uh, and I'm a professor, so like this is kind of like books are important to me, right? I like to read them, and I like to give credit to the people who wrote them and, and the quotes within them, right? So this is a great book, and it's not a difficult book to understand. It's actually amazing to think about Wow, God had a mission even from the very beginning. And as crazy as it sounds, whether you're a hog farmer, whether you're driving a truck, whether you're, you're working for the Department of Natural Resources, or whether you're a mailman, or whatever it is that you do, an educator, it's crazy, but he was thinking about that a long time ago. That's a powerful thing. But there's a, there's a, a, a quote that I'd like to read to you by a guy named N.T. Wright, a pretty, pretty good author. But it's in conjunction with this portion of the scriptures, Acts 2, that we just read. He says the following, to, to kind of help us put this into perspective in today's day and age. He says this, N.T. Wright says, you know, Christianity did not spread by magic. And think about 3,000 people in this, in this moment, in this passage of scripture. Christianity did not spread by magic. It is sometimes suggested that the world was, so to speak, ready for Christianity. Stoicism was too lofty and dry. Popular paganism was incredible and morally bankrupt. Mysterious religions were dark and forbidding, and Judaism was too law-bound and introverted. And then Christianity burst onto the scene as this great answer to the questions that everyone was asking. Now, there's a grain of truth to this, N.T. Wright says. There's a grain of truth to that picture, but it hardly does justice to the historical reality of what happened in Acts 2 and into today. Christianity summons proud pagans to face torture and death out of loyalty to a Jewish villager who had been executed by Rome. Christianity advocates a love which cuts across racial boundaries. It sternly forbids sexual immorality, the exposure of children, and a great many other things which the pagan world took for granted. Choosing to become a Christian was not an easy or a natural thing for the average pagan. Now, he's talking about that as the book of Acts is coming alive. He's looking at that historically. But we go on to see that's just as relevant today as it was back then. You can look around the world. You can see what's happening on, on the world stage. And you can see, whether through social media, through, through different types of news outlets, this is not a great day and age to be living in right now. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on, okay? But I want to now talk about, well, what, so what? How does this apply to us? What is the personal application for us when we look at the scriptures here this morning? It's a great question that you ask. Um, so there's a few things I want to tell you. So number one, the mission then continues to be the mission now that we do desire that God would add to their number, to his number daily, those in Mount Air that would begin to follow Christ, okay? Now, it's interesting. Uh, I'm here. I had no connection to Mount Air, Iowa 
And if I was a betting man 10 years ago, I would have, number one, I would have lost my life if I had to find it on a map, <laughs> okay? Uh, and, and, and number two, I just, I, honestly, of all the things that I would have been thinking about of where I saw God moving in the country, I just, I gotta be honest, this isn't the first place on the multiple choice test for me. But here's what's fun about this. I have a friend who cares about this town. And because my friend cares about this town, I care about this town. Because my friend loves and is living among these people, I love and want to enjoy being among these people. You see, God has not, making a, he's not made a mistake in bringing Darren and Jim together to be thinking about what does God want for Mount Air, Iowa. And God hasn't made a mistake in linking the friendship between Jim and myself together as we did ministry in Syracuse, New York, as we did ministry in Buffalo, New York, as ministry is being done in Greenville, South Carolina, as ministry is being done in Bowling Green, Ohio, as ministry is being done now in Mount Air, Iowa, in Cuba, and the Ukraine, and India, and Thailand, and many other places, let that grab your attention. Let that stick with you. You know, the thing that's really cool about Mount Air is, uh, I, I don't know much about it. Uh, I'm learning on the fly. There's 1,600 people here, is that right? Is that 1,500? Generous? Okay. The, the idea, the idea that every man and every woman and every child in this town could have repeated opportunity to hear, to see, and to respond to the truth of the gospel message of Jesus Christ, that's not a crazy thing. That's possible. But I don't want you to mistake for a second the fact that you very well are a part of that plan being manifested in this town. See, it's not just that God gave that to the mailman and God gave that to the dude from New York who married a gal from this town, right? No, he, he gives it to all of us. He gives it to every one of you. And that's a pretty significant thing to start to wrap your mind around. Why? Because the mission then is the mission now. You know, I, I had dinner last night with a couple of Italians uh, as we call them back in New York, that made great pizza, the Ionata family, they literally uprooted their life to come here. And I would venture to guess that 10 years ago, if you would have asked them about Mount Air, Iowa, and we were going to be going there, and we're going to raise a family there, probably wasn't something that they were thinking about. But as God speaks, people listen, and amazing things can happen. And it's not just about Acts 2. It's about 2022 right here in Ringgold County. Really, really let that seep in to your life. Um, this is not impossible. So a second thing that I think about in terms of personal application is that the devotion in the context for Acts 2 should be the same here today. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean the following. That the people of Mount Air should devote themselves to the teaching of the scriptures. That the people of Mount Air should enjoy fellowship with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. That the people of Mount Air should enjoy meals together. I enjoyed a great meal last night. I had arguably some of the best New York pizza as a former New Yorker. To say that I had that in Mount Air, Iowa is very confusing to me. But it was phenomenal. 
It was phenomenal, okay? And, and, but here's the thing, devoting ourselves to teaching as brothers and sisters, devoting ourselves to fellowship, to meals, to prayer, and all these things that are being given to us as a community, you, you gotta understand, those ingredients in Acts 2, they're here. They're here, and they can be a part of the orchestration of God saturating this town with the gospel. It's that simple. And this is what's really important to both Jim and myself as people who have gone to incredibly large-funded conferences over the years. It does not take extraordinariness to see this happen. It takes ordinary daily commitment to living life with intentionality. That is the beautiful thing about this. Whenever God moves in a town and whenever God moves in a region, he doesn't just use rock stars. In fact, I would argue most of the time he uses everyday people. And you know what? That's good for me because I'm not a rock star. I'm not a, I'm not a big, uh, big fish in the Jesus industrial complex. Jim isn't either. Darren isn't. We're just like everyday people, and we want to see this happen, okay? Now, here's the thing to, to, to understand, too. Now, in one day, 3,000 people, okay? This is, this is a truth of a historical nature, okay? Um, in one day, twice the amount of people in Mount Air, Iowa, gave their lives to Christ after a sermon at Pentecost. That, that happened, okay? Now, the historical event does speak to the extraordinariness of God. But the, there's a guy that mentors us who has been hugely important in our lives, a guy named Dwight Smith. You might, you'll probably meet him someday if you haven't already. But he, he has been telling us, to, to Jim and myself and some of the other people that are trying to see this stuff lived out in different places in the country, he said, listen, it takes time and it takes relationship. Now, do I want for 16, 1,500 people in Mount Air, Iowa to give their lives to Jesus today? I do. I do want that to happen. But the reality in the West, I think Dwight's right, I think it's going to take time and it's going to take relationship. But here's the thing. God has given you family members that I will never be able to reach. He has given you professions that I will never be able to have. You don't want me being a hog farmer, okay? Well, I don't want to be a hog farmer. But um, you don't want me to help you run your hog farm either. Uh, you know, if you want to put garage doors in, I can help you. I know how to put in garage doors. But, you know, God has placed you uniquely in this environment. And if you are committed to time and to relationship, this is possible. There is fruit that can come of this. Now, within the elements of them having teaching and having fellowship and meals and prayer and all of those things... I would submit to you that what, what Jim had asked me to talk about today, which is the mission, the mission then and the mission now, hopefully you can see how those things dovetail quite nicely together with one another. You can see the historical reality of Acts 2, but you can see the historical truth even today in Ringgold County in Mount Air. You can see that. But what about the elements? And this is where I'll close. The elements of how this happens, I know the church is going to begin to speak of here over the coming weeks but I want to I call them out specifically as I close, okay? The elements in this text, the historical reality of Acts 2, they paint a picture that hopefully, for what Jim and what Darren are going to be telling you over the coming months, for what my desire here is for you, 
okay, as just the same as the desire that I have for the people of Bowling Green to start participating in this, my town, where I live now. But if I were to label what we see in the scriptures very clearly, number one, there is a commitment of the people of Acts 2, and I would argue a need for a commitment for the people of Mount Air and Ringgold County to have a deep intimacy with God. That's the first and most important thing that we see in this section of the scripture. But we also see that there is not a Lone Ranger element to this truth. And what do I mean by that? These folks are not pursuing God intimately by themselves alone in a corner. They're doing it as a community of believers. Now, there's a lot going on here. Like for Jews to accept Jesus as the God-man in this moment, okay, in Acts 2, what they're doing is they're cutting the social net that protects them. They're cutting it out from under themselves, and they realize, I'm going to lose everything because of what I now believe about Jesus. So there's an immediate need for them to start sharing resources and whatnot, okay? But the reality is, there's the, the big picture is, Christ-like community matters. This is very un-American, okay? I love uh, the outlaw Josie Wales. I love, I love uh, John Wayne, okay? I like old spaghetti westerns, okay? Which we were talking about this yesterday. It's the rugged individualism of America. It, it calls to us as Americans. There's something in us. Now, there's something cool about that, but there is something contrary to how we're going to see the gospel fulfilled. You, you have to recognize that. If you are following Jesus, you are a Christian first that happens to live in America. Now that's gonna mess with some of our rugged individualism as Americans, I'm just being honest. And I'm not looking at you, I'm realizing that when I look at the mirror, I see my own tension with that because I like to be an individual in America, okay? But there's community. The last three things that I see, um, that people are basically, they're using their time, their talent, and their they're using their gifts, they're using what they have, and they're sharing it openly with one another for God's glory in Acts 2, and hopefully in Mount Air, eventually, okay? Folks are knowing their story, they're, they're they have been cut to their heart, okay, and they're repenting. They are by nature, they're going to know something that happened, and they're going to give testimony of it. Now, we see that with Peter. Peter is giving testimony, and, and that is really, it's a teachable moment for the people that are listening, that eventually, and we know this historically, the way that the church went like wildfire throughout the Roman Empire is because, be do, they saw what was happening, they saw the leaders preaching the truth, they went out and did the same thing, okay? That's an important thing for us to see. But then lastly, I would say this. There's just an overall stewardship of life, okay? In 42 verses 47, you see people sharing their food, they're sharing their home, they're, share, they're sharing whatever they had, but there's an understanding there. Everything that you have, it's not yours. It's always been God's. And the question is, now that you are a son or a daughter of the king, the question becomes, well, what are you going to do to steward that? How are you stewarding everything that God has given you? And that's a challenging thing for us to think about today in America. All right? A lot of, a lot of us, we want to keep it. We want to grow it. We want to expand it. Again, I, I don't need to really look at your lives. I can look at my own life. And I can know that even as somebody who's trying to preach this, I know what my flesh wants. And I would imagine that there are times when your flesh wants the same thing. 
but God ultimately is calling us to steward our lives well for his glory. We want to have intimacy with God. We want to have community with other believers. We want to take what we've been gifted with and we want to use that for God's glory. We want to know that we have a story to tell and we want to tell it when we can. And we just want to steward our lives well. Now you're going to hear more about that in the coming weeks. But as I thought about coming here the other day um, and I sat down, I talked with Jim, I said, this is what God has put on my heart. I pray that it will minister to you uh, because I know for me, just being in this town for the last 24 hours or so, uh, and I'll be spending another 24 hours today uh, at the Casa de Murphy, which I'm very excited about. Very clean house, by the way. Uh, just, I wish my house was that clean. Uh, no judgment to my family. We just, yeah, it's just hard to keep our house clean right now. Um, but I, I hope this ministers to you. Uh, I'm happy to be here in Iowa. I pray that this message will encourage you and it will set the table for deeper conversation. Uh, and I'd love to pray for you if that's okay. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. I thank you for Jim. I thank you for Darren. Lord, you're doing really neat things here in Mount Air. And I thank you for the people. I thank you for the truth that the gospel historically tends to move forward when people of ordinary daily living are faithful in, in, in regular everyday living. And, and that when those opportunities come up to build relationship, when those opportunities come up to bring the light of the kingdom into the lives of the people of Mount Air, that they would do it with excellence. Uh, we love you, God. And as we close today, we just thank you. We thank you for your mercy, and we thank you for your heavy grace. In your name we pray. Amen.